I feel like the next five years is really about me tapping into what my athletic potential is and leveraging the social media, the podcast, the YouTube for that athletic capability. And when I say professional in athletics, I don't mean like I'm getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to partake in athletics. I mean challenging myself in athletic ways to inspire and motivate and build communities of other people that potentially could be doing the same thing and then working with brands and communities to expand. Welcome back to the Thrive on Life podcast. We're CJ and Aaron Finley, lifelong best friends turned husband and wife that started a brand to inspire others to make the most out of the one life we all get to live. We are on a mission to help others in the pursuit of thriving in all areas of life through community, connection, and the sharing of knowledge. This series of the podcast with us as your hosts will feature unfiltered conversations on topics of life, marriage, parenthood, health, wellness, and what we consider the The art art of of thriving. thriving. Let's dive in. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast with my lovely wife, Erin Finley. And she's going to be taking over today. I don't really know what we're going to be talking about. We shot some ideas around, but I'm just going to let her take it and go with it. So what do we get into? Well, way to put me on the spot here. Um, so we talked about doing a podcast tonight. It's Thursday feels like a fast week and we just put the baby down and it's one of those nights where we're closing out the week and felt like a good time to hop on and film a little bit. So I was thinking, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, a mix of like educational, scientific, personal development. And I think what I like the most about podcasts is when it's like just real conversation, but also valuable. So I was thinking what I would ask you tonight is a little bit of current situation. Like we'll talk a little bit about what's on your mind currently, what you're doing, a little bit of reflection, and we'll see where that goes. So first question I have for you. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You say, so I get real conversation. What yeah, where's where what do you mean by valuable? What I mean by real conversation is I don't love podcast episodes that are just sound like they're reading from a textbook on like for example, if I'm going to talk about periodization of training for peak performance, if I really wanted to understand what like the scientific literature says, I would just look it up. But if I'm going to listen to a podcast, I want some like personal experience intermixed in there, some realness, not just someone that sounds like they are literally Googling it and reading it to you and calling it a podcast episode. Why do you value the personalization? Because I think it's a lot more relatable. And if I'm going, like I said, if I'm going to listen to a podcast as the format by which I'm taking in the information then I expect that it will be informative, but also relatable to my life and not so taxing on my brain, you know? Does that make sense? It does. So otherwise, I would just do my own research on certain things. But that was just an example. Now, if we talk about life or other things, I think that's where, like, if you think about podcasts as a form of content in media 
how do podcasts differentiate from one, the news, two, like I said, liter- like scientific literature, three, like books? And I think that human element is what makes them interesting. The human element and like the the personality of the host or the guest, right? Do you agree? Yeah, I think for me, podcasts really represent freedom. And freedom is something that I've always valued. Even when I was a kid, I liked to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And podcasts in terms of a form of entertainment and education and information allow you to press record and share with the world what you're thinking. What makes you listen to someone's podcast more than once? You mean what makes me listen to that specific host more than once, like Correct. multiple episodes? Yep. I think a few things. Off the top of my head, first and foremost, it's less about the host and more about the guest. So I search for information that can help me in my own life. So if we're talking business, health, family, I think those are the three pillars of my life right now, family being first and foremost. My buddy Brady on Instagram just posted a podcast that is about fatherhood and two guys started it. Two years ago, I wouldn't have even commented on this story about him posting this podcast. But I asked him what he thought about the podcast and essentially it convinced me to search this podcast and then I'm going to listen to some episodes and give it a shot. So I guess to answer even more in depth, it's more of the topic than it is the host or the guest. It's what information do I feel like I can gather that's going to be helpful in my life. And I like podcasts because there's no paid, what's the word for it? Like agenda. Distraction. Yeah. Agenda. People will get on and I can listen to both sides of different things. And like one side is nutrition, right? It's a, it's a topic that like everybody has an opinion on. I can listen to different people and their different views on it on nutrition and then try my own stuff that works for me, right. but I can integrate different things from different people and different viewpoints in. And that's something that's hard to get in other platforms because people are always trying to push a certain agenda when it comes to other platforms. So I guess a little bit about your current routine of how you digest, I don't know, information like podcasts for the purpose of your own personal growth, whether it be in fitness or optimal health or business, how do you integrate listening into your day? Like what does a typical day look like for you as it relates to consuming information? Like you like to read, you like to listen to podcasts. How does that fit into the structure of your productive day? I like to compound my time and I just had Patrick Lyons on the podcast earlier today and he call it habit stacking. Mm-hmm. So one habit is I pretty much run every day. So while I'm running, I listen to a podcast. So I'm 
compounding my time to be productive in multiple ways, both physically, mentally, spiritually. So physically, I am running and exerting myself to improve my physical capabilities. Mentally, I am listening to a podcast and learning and gathering information and research to help me in my own life. And then spiritually, when you run, it just allows you to kind of take a step back and realize what's most important in the world and kind of is a freeing feeling. When it comes to consuming information, I'm very careful about not over-consuming and ha- being an over-consumption. I pride myself in somebody that's more of a producer than a consumer. So I probably listen to like one podcast a day. And how do you choose what podcast you're listening to? Like, like I'm just curious about that because it's something I've been thinking about lately. Like occasionally I'll open up Spotify or podcasts and I'll search on a topic, like you said. Like if I'm just curious about a specific thing that week, I'll search the term like, like this week it was molecular hydrogen and how consuming that in water is beneficial for optimal health as an example. Do you go by like shows or how do you decide what you're going to listen to? Is it based on what you're dealing with in business that week or what's the... The only show I watch, I mean, I listen to every week is My First Million and that's because they live in a world that I really like, which is like coming up with ideas to make businesses out of. And they have nailed the head on, they've nailed edutainment. Like they're very educational in terms of the guests they bring on. And then just the two hosts are very educational in this world, but it's also entertaining. Like what I like about them, they're like real. Yeah. Yeah. They don't try to act like they know everything, but they're, or like they're super successful, but. Other than that, it's very sporadic. It's topic-based or person-based. So I've listened to some Nick Bear stuff based on the person that's on there. I listen to Tim Ferriss. I listen to Huberman, sometimes Peter Atiyah. Um, I've listened to How I Built This in the past. But really, it's it's topic and and guest-based. Uh, I listen to every single one of my podcast episodes. So on my run today, I listened back to the one that I dropped today mm-hmm. to improve my own host hosting capabilities. So it's nothing special. I'm very like what vanilla, about, I would say. Yeah. What about um, books? So if anyone has been to our house, you will see that we collect books and we're always collecting more. <laughs> I think Erin is more of a collectibles collector of books than she is getting through them but that's because I get I'm, I have like <laughs> reading ADD and I like to be reading multiple things at a time and it might take me a while to finish it but it depends on what mood I'm in so that's kind of why I was asking about the podcast because I have a similar like if I'm driving home sometimes from work it's a similar mood I mean it's a certain mood where I want to listen to a certain type of topic if I'm running it's a different type of topic same thing with books like if I'm about to go to sleep, I'm not gonna listen. I'm not gonna read something really intense. But the difference, I think. Okay, I'm not even gonna give my opinion. I'm gonna ask yours. The difference in the types of things we read. Yep. So I was gonna get there because I noticed that you're reading, "Buy Back Your Time," "Turning Pro," and I think one called like how to be wealthy or something. Primal leadership. Primal leadership. How to be wealthy is something somebody sent me. Okay. Well, it's lingering around our coffee table. So 
talk a little bit about the, that array of books and what maybe some of your takeaways have been. Would you recommend those books to your audience? Yeah, reading. I, I read books based on multiple factors. Most of the time, I'm probably reading two books at a time. And one of the books is for me. And then one of the books is business cases, things that I need to learn to be a better coach, be a better CEO, be a better advisor, be a better investor. So to buy back your time, I've realized that as you scale in business, a lot of CEOs, founders, executives struggle to understand where their time should be invested in and what they should be delegating, what they should be working on and how to decipher what every day looks like. So buy back your time essentially teaches you how to effectively delegate and elevate and own your time throughout the day as a leader. So that way you're spending your time on maximum output, not what feels good. Because usually what feels good is doing a lot of little tasks and checking off the boxes. But as your company is growing, the reality is you need to be putting people in places where they can succeed at doing multiple tasks so that an army of people can be doing stuff while you're focusing on what's that big boulder that needs to be moved so that the business continues to thrive. And then another book, Turning Pro, is really just walks you through like the difference between how amateurs show up in the world and the difference between how professionals show up in the world and helping you analyze where in life you've showed up as an amateur and where in life you potentially could take the next step to turning professional. And for me, the reason I'm reading that book right now, because I do a little bit of a lot, but the reality is like nobody can be pro at everything. So a difficulty I've always had is what do I want to turn pro at and what am I okay just staying an amateur at? And some of the things that I think about is like, okay, I podcast, I do YouTube, I'm on social media, I am an athlete. Which one of those things do I want to invest time in as a pro? And which ones do I want to maintain just being an amateur for the time being? And what's your conclusion been so far? I've also based on, then this is where books help you with each other, the buy back your times. You start understanding like the, the here and the now. As an athlete, I have a special chance right now mm-hmm. with, I'm 32 and we have one child. The more children we add into the mix, the harder it's going to be for me to be an, an exceptional athlete. The older I get, the more work it's going to take for me to be an exceptional athlete. So... I feel like the next five years is really about me tapping into what my athletic potential is and leveraging the social media, the podcast, the YouTube for that athletic capability. And when I say professional in athletics, I don't mean like I'm getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to partake in athletics. I mean challenging myself in athletic ways to inspire and motivate and build communities of other people that potentially could be doing the same thing and then working with brands 
and communities to expand. Yeah. And I think on that point of like the window of opportunity, I've been thinking a lot. This is a common theme that's come up in my mind has been about how life can be viewed as a series of chapters. Like for somewhere along the lines, I think society has caused us to think about making decisions as if they are be all end all final decisions, right? Like when you pick a major in college, when you decide where you're going to live post, you know, when you enter adulthood, when you decide, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking very like career wise and like lifestyle wise, but life is like this infinite canvas. And to your point of windows of opportunity, like, if you think about it and zoom out, if you were to just spend like the next five years kind of going all in on athletic endeavors and all in could mean for you just really pushing the throttle a little bit more than what you've done in the past, let's say, 10 years. And that could look like more races, maybe a little bit more intensity in how you show up, the types of athletic endeavors that you're doing. And that. Obviously, that's not sustainable for longevity, but do you want to look back on life and know that you gave it your all for this period of time? And what story do you want to tell? Like, I've been asking myself, like, what story do we want to tell about the things that we set out to do for ourselves? Um, and is it better to just coast along and pursue this like maintenance mode? And that's a struggle that I feel I have with myself because I'm very like, longevity focused and to be longevity focused you don't want to put on too many stressors or too many unsustainable habits or behaviors right so it's this, this mix of the real struggle people have though is it's an infinite canvas with a finite timeline that we don't know that's where people get stuck and they get overwhelmed because like i have all these options and I know that I have a finite amount of time. But I don't but think everybody's thinking about in, the finite aspect. I think, no, that not, the, I think that that's the, one of the problems is that like you can view it as this indefinite window of time or of opportunities. And I think that a lot of people get stuck in this idea of like, maybe I'll do that in 10 years or maybe I'll. Like, I feel like what I've been trying to do lately is not only think about life in these little chunks of like, what am I going to do in this chapter? What am I going to do in this next chapter? Whatever. But also like remembering that there may not be a next chapter. Like we don't know. But, but I think what stops more people is, I mean, they know it's finite. They might not think like. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like to a T, I need to like make it, take advantage of every day. They're not thinking like that. But what I mean is they stay content because it's more overwhelming to think about what the options are than it is to narrow it down and say, you know what, I'm going to go all in on this. Mm -hmm. That I think that's the major struggle for a lot of people out there, including myself. So one thing that I'm, I'm trying to say cost, I'm struggling before, with before you get into that, because there's a cost to everything. It like, just like you said, if we were to go all in on our athletic endeavors for the next five years, what's the cost of that? Exactly. Everywhere else. Exactly. But also, just as it relates to health, 
you and I are both very optimal health focused. Like we want to live as long as possible, as healthy as possible, because both of us know that we have some predispositions and we need to be mindful of the lifestyle that we have today for our future. And it almost is contradictory with the way that we want to perform in life. Like we're both, I would describe us both as like very high performing in business, in career, in athletics, in almost everything that we do. And I feel that's a little contradictory to this idea of optimal health where you're supposed to like minimize stress and be like slow about things. Yeah, but I mean, I don't agree with what you said. I'd rather live 70, 80 years and have fun and go hard within reason then there's a lot of people that get on podcasts like, oh, I want to live to 100. Mm-hmm. Living and being alive are two different things. I don't want to get to 100 being alive. I want to live up to 100. Right. Now, if living, like actively living and, and going after things that I want to do, if the cost of that is beating myself up a little bit, then that's the cost that I am willing to pay but I'm not going to be stupid. I used to be stupid. I mean, one of the reasons that I stopped drinking was that adds years to my life. I stopped mm-hmm. substance abuse. That adds years to my life. But I'm also shifting into pushing my body harder. So we're not going to see the result of what that is. But I'm willing to pay that cost because at the end of the day, no matter what I do, anything can happen. So the reality is I'd rather have fun and chase things that make a fulfilling life, I'm actively living, rather than just stay alive. I think the other thing that we've both done a good job with is realizing that we can push ourselves, but that we also have to recover. So like, we'll push ourselves physically with training, but then we make sure we prioritize like sauna and cold plunge and relaxation and sleep, number one, food, all those things. I think that is something that has to be looked at as just as high priority as the output. Uh, I mean, I put it as a higher priority these days. Yeah, but again, one time it goes you said to, to me, like, if you had to skip a workout or recovery, you would pick skipping the workout. And I think that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, half, I literally just half-assed the workout before this, but the sun is on and we're going to go rip it in there after this. Like, I'd rather skip what the time in the gym than the sauna and, and just for context like what is the reasoning behind that i think well i have an unfair advantage i've been working out for 16 years it's not unfair you put in the work so it's it is an unfair advantage but it's it's like i like having that unfair advantage compared to the average person i've worked for the unfair advantage um like you're saying so a day or two or three days, I could take a week off from working out. It's not going to really affect me. But if I take a week off from sauna and ice mentally, like I don't, I mean, work, if I took a week off from working out, like mentally, you think you'd feel it. I'd feel it too. But I'd, this is the thing. Like I don't consider going on a walk, working out, mm-hmm. but like most people might. So I, we'd have to like go into the context of, but if we're saying I'm not lifting weights for a week but I can go on a three-mile walk, then I'd much rather do a week of three-mile walks with sauna and ice 
than the opposite of lifting during the week and have no sauna nights. Interesting. Now, that's after having done sauna nights for for years now and understanding that like that's more pivotal to me feeling. I think it's uh, euphoric yeah. and clear and sleeping better than when giving it, my body five days of no lifting. Like, when do you feel like you felt the benefits of sauna and ice? Because in a culture where we're after like quick instant gratification, it's something where I think someone could try it and be like, okay, yeah, that, that's kind of uncomfortable. I don't need to do that every day. But you've definitely developed this habit where it's a part of your daily routine and you know how it's impacting your life in a positive way. When do you think, how long do you think it took for you to see that impact? I mean, going back to value, it's not about me. It's about who's listening to this. If you're listening to this and wondering if you should add sauna and ice into your routine, the easiest way to see the difference is contrast. Do seven days of sauna and ice. Do seven days without it. Have a notebook. Write down how you feel. Now, I'm good at being in tune with my body and seeing, like, I don't need a notebook to feel the difference mm-hmm. and to understand the difference. Other people might, but I've been doing this for over a decade. So for me, that's how I know is I've, I mean, a good instance is like we were down the shore. We went three weeks without, I mean, <laughs> the, the gym we went to had a sauna. And I was pissed when it was half broken half the time <laughs> because I was looking forward to getting in the sauna yeah. and it was broken. And I, I know that like when I get angry because that's broken, it's not just because I have this thought that I like the sauna. It's like my body knows and is like ready to go into this thing and enjoy it. It's just a feeling. The other thing is like you, my parents, I think anybody's parents, it's hard to get them to make health changes. I think everyone would agree on this. Most, most people in that generation, it's tough to get them to change some of the habits that they picked up over the years. But getting them in a sauna is easy. Yeah. There's a reason behind that because you just feel good after. Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to get people really to work describe. out though. Like that, it's much harder to put them through a thirty-minute. You're going to pay attention and do this workout, but it's very easy for me to say, "Hey, you guys want to come in the sauna with me?" Well, I think that 10, has 15, to do with like minutes. working out is a little intimidating because you have to know what you're doing. You have to kind of have a plan. It's uncomfortable for people that don't work out, but to sit there in heat and feel a relaxing atmosphere from it. Sure, the barrier to entry is much lower. All right, so I have two more questions for you, if we have the time. One, We make the time. We make the rules. That's why we podcast. So one question I've been thinking is, what is something that you're actively trying to learn lately? I'm going to add to this question. What is something that I actively want to learn? Sure. Something I'm actively working towards learning in the current moment. I would say something I'm I'm actively researching and 
working on is my hip mobility and fixing some hip issues. The reason I'm trying to fix some hip issues is <laughs> two weeks ago, I, I guess I went too hard and my back gave out at the end of the day. And for a couple of days, I literally couldn't walk. And in the past, that wouldn't have been much of a, of a deal, but because I couldn't function to pick Aiden up the way I wanted to or play with him the way I wanted to, it was a very harsh reminder that I need to fix this and get ahead of it so that it doesn't happen again because I don't, it, it'd be one thing if I was like in this really hard race and mm. whatever, but like I, I was just training harder than usual and I was in the shower and I turned the wrong way and bam, I couldn't walk. Um, so that's something I'm actively working on learning and I've made some progress the past couple of days. Something I want to learn though, and it's going around in our community is like learning how to shoot a bow and arrow. I, and, and above and beyond that, I think there's some skills that I want to learn. I want to learn how to become a better chef, how to almost make stuff from raw ingredients. It stems from a feeling of wanting to get back to like the roots of being a human being of if I was just giving nothing, like how would I create something from nothing or how would I hunt something from nothing? I think that's really what mm. is piquing my interest lately. I think it also has to do with Aiden is here now. And as a man, I start thinking of protecting and being provider and we have everything we need. I don't need to be learning how to shoot a bow and arrow and I don't need to learn how to be a chef, but I'm a curious person. So when it comes down to, if I didn't have all this shit, I didn't have any of this stuff that we have to live in 2023, how would I go about life and what would it look like and, and really getting back to that, so. Yeah, interesting. What about in the business world? Are there any hard skills? And then you gotta answer this. Oh, I have a good one. Um, shout out to Jamie. I just hired somebody to help me with learning how to write scripts for content that creates more engagement on the front end to draw people in and then provide value that keeps them there and then have a call to action towards the end. With my content over the years, because I've just leaned into storytelling and authenticity, I think I haven't had as much of a reach as other creators because I haven't focused on some of the tactics of creating talk triggers and things at the front end of the content to really get people sucked in. And one of the hesitations I've always had for that is I didn't want to seem salesy or scummy or things like that, but he really taught me how to do it in a way that is aligned with my vision of myself and Thrive and my personal brand. So that is currently in action right now and I'm still learning how to do it and, and actively practicing it, but I'm excited for 
Yeah, I feel like yeah. I've noticed like with all your content endeavors, you're somebody that's really good at being like, I need to learn this, so therefore I'm just going to head down, figure out how to do this. And a lot of people would lose patience, I think. But even what you just showed me today about how you chopped up the video and did your own like BTS to it, like, do you know how overwhelming that would be to people, including myself? Like, uh, it's probably overwhelming to me. I'm not saying I couldn't do it, but I would be like, all right, for me to do this well, I have to do this, study this, figure out how to do it. <laughs> like, I think you have the skill of just being like, I've seen enough of this, I'm going to figure it out, and then, bam, I'm not going to spend any more than X amount of time on it, and that's, like, a really cool trait. Yeah, it goes back to elevate, and de- I mean, delegate and elevate. I need to know enough to delegate it. Because if I don't know enough, you I feel w- that way too. I get taken yeah. advantage of. Like I've lost money because I don't know enough where that person takes advantage of me. Not even because they're a bad person, but I don't know enough to make tweaks or ask for something in a certain way and it doesn't pan out. So what Aaron's was, Aaron was referencing was an episode of the podcast that I dropped. I'm working right now on figuring out how do I create LinkedIn and and shorter YouTube clips that are context driven, topic driven, because just like I was talking about earlier here, I search for things based on topics. And that's another thing that I haven't done well in short form where it's just, we take the top kind of clips from that episode and it could be so sporadic in what the topic is. And that's kind of how TikTok and Instagram work. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking YouTube and LinkedIn, it's very topic heavy. So how do I find topics that kind of trigger people a little bit? So today's topic was how the meat industry has been known not to use the full animal as a resource for consumption. And Chef James Barry was talking about he wants to change that. He wants people to understand that the organ meat is very nutrient-dense and it should be utilized by the masses, not just by what I would say is the fringe mm-hmm. people. And I created a clip around him talking about how the industry overall neglects using the whole animal and he kind of rips into how we then shuffle off processed food into pet food industry and any industry that's willing to pay and that that industry doesn't give a shit either and pets get sick and humans are getting sick and the reality is they're getting sick and then we're spending billions of dollars on supplements rather than just like going back to the root of humanity which is these animals provide nutrients that we all should be eating, but we're just not doing it in in the mass capability. So that was, I think, a very valuable piece Mm -hmm. of his episode, but it's also contextually going to trigger some people and other people, it's going to be new information for them that's like, oh yeah, like that's, that's interesting. Why don't we use the whole animal and maybe it gets them to start thinking, maybe it starts conversation. Um, who knows? But 
I don't want to go too much off the deep end into that, but that's what I was piecing together today and then figuring out like, how do I, like what's 80% good in a clip like this so that I can then outsource and help that elevate that person and really create a system around it because that's really what I try to do is build systems around these different aspects that I work on every single day. I shouldn't be sitting there clipping up every single episode. I should just be figuring out enough to then build a system around it and then help somebody who really gets fired up doing that integrate into my system. Yeah. But for you, what is something you're trying Mm. to learn or something you're trying to invest your time into? For me, it would probably be when I think about what I'm trying to learn related to what I consider my identities. Uh, So obviously... You have multiple identities? I do. I'm a mother now. So what I learn and what I'm actively learning and trying to learn and wanting to learn is what I should be experiencing myself in this time period of my life with a four-month-old baby, what my baby is experiencing at this time in life, and how I can be the best mother, right? So, I mean, there's obviously no playbook to that, but at least understanding like the things that I'm experiencing, are they normal? What should I be experiencing? What types of things can I be doing for him? How much should he be eating a day? Like things like that. So a lot of the, the information I consume is around that part of my life. And then if I think about like professionally, I am always striving to improve my leadership skills. So I think about the people that I work with on a team, the people that report to me and how I can be a better leader for them. And I I think a lot about, I don't know if we talked about this on another episode or if I was listening to something recently, but like there's a difference between being a leader and a manager. And I think about that almost every day and how I show up and I think that's tough because especially in the working world, you you have these like competing priorities of your time and it's almost a lot easier to be the manager and delegate like you're saying and just check in and not micromanage, but just be the point person to make a decision and kind of guide in the right direction. But being a leader is different. It's a different energy. It's having a different type of empathy and emotional intelligence for your people that you work with and inspiring something in them, making them feel a certain way. So I'm learning, I'm trying to learn more about that and how that relates to who I am and my natural personality traits um, and how to. I think something I think about a lot is my natural tendencies are to be very analytical, data-driven, like introverted, right? But I'm constantly showing up in these ways that are the opposite of that, where I have to make quicker decisions, be more bold with actions, uh, speak more to people I don't know. And that is a learning experience for me. Um, How else am I learning? What else am I learning? I like what you said about the chef. I've been baking a lot, uh, trying to bake more with like 
you know, gluten-free, dairy-free as usual. I've been gluten-free and dairy-free for many years now, but also like no refined sugar. So using the most wholesome ingredients, we like to have fun with desserts and experiment. So that's been cool. I'm also learning more about how to integrate endurance training with functional strength. So I think that's been an experience because a lot of what you find out there for endurance athletes and training plans, like say, um, eventually I'm going to run my first marathon. But if you look for a marathon plan out there, it assumes that you're only running. And I never want to be the person that only runs. So I've been trying to learn how to best integrate not too much strength training, but enough to maintain lean muscle mass and enough form, I mean, not form, strength, <laughs> to so you, supplement running. This is the difference between you and I, where you're, you're saying that you want to run a marathon. You could run a marathon tomorrow. Okay. What am I waiting for? Yeah. I don't want to injure myself or overexert myself. I don't want to show up unprepared. I didn't say you were going to run the marathon fast tomorrow. Okay, well, if I run a marathon, I want to make sure that there, I'm showing up. That's the up. difference. That's the difference. I don't though. want to make sure I'm running it fast. Like, I don't want to use that terminology, but I want to know that if I show up at the starting line of a marathon, that I put in the work to be there. And I don't feel if I were to do that tomorrow, yeah, I could finish it, but I wouldn't feel good about my progress. And I want to feel good about my progress. But the that's only just, way that you feel good about your progress is you know what you're actually shooting for. So, what are you actually shooting for? What is the goal? The goal isn't to finish the marathon because you just told me I could finish the marathon tomorrow. So what is the goal? The goal would be to finish it in a time that I would be proud of. Which is? A Boston qualifying time. Okay, so now we're getting somewhere. So now going back to the whole beginning question of this episode, which was like kind of the buyback time and... Mm-hmm. What are we reading and why we do the certain things that we do? Apply what we were talking about to this very concept. What is the Boston qualifying time? What's the exact time? I think for my age, it's probably less than three hours and 30 minutes. Might be a little faster than that. Okay, let's assume it's three hours, 30 minutes. What mile time is that That's like, for 26 I'm miles? I'm pretty sure it's like sub eight. I think it's like a 730. For 26 miles. So without even thinking, how would you program running 730 for 26 miles and stay strong? Don't overthink it. I would do one long run a week. I would probably run five times a week with one long run a week. And probably two of those runs would be integrating speeds faster than a 7.30. What about lifting? On the days that I run fast, I would probably do 
a hard lift day just to, so that on the next day I could just fully recover and not do like a fast run and then a hard lift. And then I always feel like upper body isn't super taxing. So when I say I would combine running and lifting, it would probably be like running the fast tempo with a lower body day. And then I would do probably one upper body day and one core or Okay, we mobility. can work on that. But see how quickly you piece together something? Yes. Now, you're actually just an FYI. You're not going to want to do your speed days on your lift days. You're going to want to do your lift days on your long, slow days. Because a long, like say you do a 10-mile run at just a slower pace. Mm-hmm. You're not shooting your nervous system as much as you would be if you do a fast day. That's going to like really push your nervous system. So on the days that I go fast, that would, should be the only thing I do. Yeah, and then recover. And then on your really long day, it should only be running and recovery. And then on your, like your medium days, mm-hmm. medium like long. say your really long day is 16 miles. Mm-hmm. And the medium is 10. Medium is 10. On that day, do a lift. Got it. And then I would say, if, that, what if, if I was in your shoes, most, I would like, do one day that's a hard lift and then auxiliary miles, whatever I'm feeling up to. So I would lift hard in the morning and then in the afternoon, whatever I'm feeling, get some miles in. What I, I think what I'm struggling with the most to make this actually happen in the world is making the time for it. Uh, it's tough to run at night here after a long work day when the baby's asleep. I think ideally I would get this done first thing in the morning, but I don't want to sacrifice my sleep. So therefore I have not been implementing these training plans. Yeah. It goes back to the seasons. We'll wrap here. You'll get get that done. I ask you my last question, but I'll save it for the next. All right. Well, we can do five minutes. If can we keep it to five minutes? Yeah. If you can answer it in less than five minutes. I'll answer it in less than one minute. Okay. Where in reflection, what is some where have you grown as a person in the last five months? And we can't say parenthood. It's a great question. Ding dong, ding dong. You're wasting a minute. <laughs> where We're have I grown the most? I, I would ask you. Where have where do I think you've no, grown? Let, let's let's flip this question. Where do you think I've grown and where do I think you've grown outside of parenthood in the last five months? Okay. And we have a minute on the clock for each of us. You go first. I'm, a, I'm answering where you've grown. Yeah. I think it goes back to what I told, what I noticed about you and complimented you on, which was how you have done a much better job of making time for people in your life that you truly care about, friends and family. I've noticed, and I feel like it's been great to see because we're probably the most busy than we've ever been with a new baby, but you've really gone out of your way. And I think that that's really important and admirable. 
I appreciate that. I think having him has made me realize what's most important. So mm -hmm. I started reflecting and investing more energy into that. For you, I think the most growth that I've seen from you is that you can't do it all. Hmm. Which. What about my not stressing as much? <laughs> you still stress. <laughs> we were at dinner talking about this. But what I mean by you not. So where am I slacking? Like even, the, even your answer, even your answer before this is just like. I won't sacrifice my sleep Yeah. to do the training. I think that shows massive growth for you. I, I, like the college you would have crushed yourself trying to do all the goals all at once, but you have a 10 year, 20 year, 30 year perspective. And you will understand that when the timing is right, you're going to go all in on that goal to run the marathon. But I struggle with it for the same reason that we talked about in the first part of the episode, which is there's a window of opportunity and we don't know how finite it is. Yeah, but you can't control the weather. Yeah. That's just like, it's just not something we control. It's one reason that we're reconsidering our geolocation <laughs> because we want to train more. So, you, I mean, you can't control the weather. You can only control where you are and what you're willing to do. And I think to the point of your growth is you are playing it smart. And the reality is a couple months doesn't make a difference. A couple years yeah. makes a huge difference. Yeah. So we're not talking years here. We're talking, you got one, you got like, hopefully only like two more weeks. And then like, <laughs> looks like it's going to drop into the low nineties. Oh my God. Um, in the oh, next couple weeks. Yeah. So once that, once that happens and you can turn up your training, I look forward to supporting you on that journey. Let's hear you wrap this up. Come on. All right. Oh, well, all right. So I don't have anything to say to wrap it up <laughs> other than catch you on the next episode. I mean, what else do you want me to say? I love you. Catch you <laughs> on the next episode. This is CJ Finley and Aaron Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.